and welcome to Rewind Reviews, the podcast where we take a look at films we remember from our youth um, and, just, and, and ask that, that age-old question. Is that any good? Um, this week, uh, Chris chose the film. Uh, I had literally never heard of the film this week, which is, I think, a first. You know, there's, there's definitely we've done, yeah. we've done films I've not seen, obviously, but I've we've never done a film that I literally just <laughs> d- never even heard existed. Uh, and Chris chose the 1995 film Rent a Kid. Now, um, you know, you see the cast, you think, well, you know. Maybe there's something here. Leslie Nielsen, um, absolute legend of an actor. Um, show stealer, very often. Christopher Lloyd, again, absolute legend of an actor. Often scene stealer. And then uh, a collection of the 90s most successful <laughs> like jobbing actors who all do a pretty good job, actually, in this film, considering. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we, you think maybe oh maybe there's something to this. Maybe this is maybe this is maybe this will be a nice fun family film and there'll be some good jokes and whatever. I, I, I'll, I'll do a little. I'll, 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 I'll give the game away now, Chris. This is the blandest movie I've ever seen in my life. <coughs> On IMDb, Chris, this has a this has a five point four. <coughs> This is a this is a straight five. Uh, <laughs> this is <coughs> now. If anyone's wondering, oh, Chris is coughing quite a lot, um, and, and and listened to last week's episode when Chris had a bit of a cough. Um, uh, we made a few jokes about it. Um, turns out that cough was the start of Chris <laughs> COVID. COVID. Yeah, no, I literally, I literally did. It was on the podcast last week or before the podcast. Dan said, "You sure you're all right to do it if you're feeling rough." And I went, yeah, come on. No, it was at the end of it. Dan went, oh, thanks for doing that, even though you were feeling rough. And I went, yeah, but how many podcasts have you done with COVID? And in my mind, I just went, hmm, that's what you've just done. Like, I just knew. I just knew. I'd had a busy week the week before. If I was ever going to get it, it would have been that week. I, you know, I went to three gigs. (laughs) Travelled around, travelled around. So I was like, hmm. Uh, and then immediately after that podcast, in fact, did a test. <laughs> I was like, I'll just do one now and, and get this revelation out of the way. And was like, yep. <laughs> so, because I think within half an hour, I, I messaged you like... You did. Yeah, yeah, it was less, I think it was probably even less than that. But yeah, it was very, very yeah. shortly after uh, the podcast recording, yeah. Chris sent me a picture of a positive COVID test. Um, so, um, I mean, so, yeah, apologies you're, for the You're coffee. back on your feet, though. You're, you're, you're all right? You're feeling well for the, yeah. for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, we took... We we took a we took a bit of uh, we did we did a week's delay uh, from recording again and I uh, I'm still quite coffee uh, I sound much I mean Thursday I still was sounding shit but um, yeah other than other than the lingering cough and who knows how long that will linger I'm uh, I'm feeling good Nin- ninety days good. baby I'm, uh, I'm 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 thrilled to be podcasting a Dan again and uh, sorry fulfilled thrilled blah 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 thrilled to be podcasting again and uh you know talking about the classics dad <laughs> yeah because you know so, you've gone straight to you've gone straight to review we've got to pad this bad boy out dan i i've not even done my history with the film oh well that yeah i mean i get I, yeah I have, I have but i mean i just i just at the time when i was in, introducing the film i was just trying to give people some context for what it was but then i just looked i saw the imdb <laughs> rating of like five out of ten and i just thought yeah that's it this is <laughs> this is the blandest thing i've ever sat through but you know uh, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, 
The, the, the first review on IMDb gives it a 7 out of 10 and calls it somewhat underrated. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, I disagree with this person. But um, let's uh, let, let's do it then. So so you chose the film. Now, you obviously have, must have some sort of um, history with it, I assume. Um, what, what is uh, it? Watched it a bit as a kid. <laughs> Hardly, hardly the most in depth. Uh, that's all I, can, I just remember. I don't remember particularly loving this film. I don't remember it being a big part of our childhood. I just remember we had it literally record. I can picture the VHS, whether, whether in mine or my sister's appalling handwriting, the words "rent a kid" has been written, and I remember watching it. Not enough to like have. Not enough to have been able to tell you, tell you any scene. Well, to be honest with you, I watched the film yesterday and I can't tell you any scenes. <laughs> but, but not enough to like... It wasn't like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, you know, or the, or the Honey, I Shrunk series where I could I could have recited lines, told you bits of it. I just know I watched a film about a guy renting kids and I could picture the apartment and the kids... And I could picture Leslie Nielsen. And when it started and has that animated, like, those cartoon title graphics, I was like, yeah, these feel familiar. But it wasn't even like, you know, sometimes you watch a film you've not seen in ages and there's a muscle memory. You're like, oh, this is about to happen. I couldn't remember what was about to happen. I couldn't remember. So right. we, we we couldn't have watched it that much. And I definitely haven't ever gone, haven't ever gone back to it. But it was definitely a film... That you know, it was in that in that series of films that me and my sister had, and would watch if it was on. I seem to remember it being on, and I was trying to remember, but it must be you'll probably be able to tell me because this is more well known. I think it's almost one of those films where you <laughs> where you kind of go, did I imagine that? Because it's so not a part of pop culture. It's so not talked about. Because right. another one, because I was thinking, well, are there other films like that this morning? And I was remembering one about a, a dad who died and became a ghost. And I seem to remember the ghost opening dad. montage. And yeah, well, that's the thing. I Googled it and I was like, oh, this appears to star Bill Cosby. So this film clearly is more known. Than yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just wasn't I, I, that well known I, I, I saw Ghost Dad multiple times when I was a kid. Because I, I, I am I right in saying ghost, ghost Dad starts with like fake outs of how he's going to die? Yes. There's like like four different ways he could die yes. and then he doesn't yeah so okay so i'm yeah, yeah, yeah. thinking of ghost dad um maybe the reasons no one talks about that film uh <laughs> are clear to me now because i didn't i didn't remember it was bill cosby yeah yeah i know but um, yeah but uh, you know what like obviously you know bill cosby aside i remember that film being quite good we're probably never going to cover it on here i don't feel like i want to step into that yeah now i think i think there's something particularly egregious about the bill cosby situation on the grounds that like you know, he presented himself as like, I'm America's dad. Everyone, everyone thinks I'm the pillar of hope, you know, of like, of, of like, a clean, you know, clean family, good times. You know, it's, it's really hard to, when someone sort of place themselves in that bracket to then like see movies where they play, you know, yeah. uh, characters that either learn to be or are like, you know, sort of, uh, uh, Pillars of, sort of yeah, like I'm trying to think. It's the word I'm looking for, like virtue, you know, like oh, I'm such yeah, a, you know, yeah, I'm like, it, yeah, uh, yeah, really, really makes it really upsetting, you know. And it's a shame because I know for a lot of kids, especially, um, you know, people of color in America, having grown up on Bill Cosby as like, you know, the the best possible dad, 
that must be a really hard thing to have to remove from your, <laughs> you know, your cultural thing. But I think that movie was directed by Sidney Poitier, though, by the way. Ghost Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I think what's funny is because certainly in the, in, and I think in America it's probably more remembered. Yeah. But in the UK, there's, a lot of, there's not a lot of osmosis, osmosis about this film. If, you, if we were in a room with six other people and four other people hadn't heard of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, we'd be going... What the fuck? How have you not heard of four, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? If four other people hadn't heard of Ghost Dad, I think we'd be going, yeah, okay, it didn't cross your paths. And I think right. it's so funny, isn't it, how with certain films, like, I, whilst, it, <laughs> whilst you know, we'll say all the things we're about to say when reviewing this film, I reckon if it had crossed your path as a kid, you probably would have remembered it. And you probably, like me, would never have gone back to it, but would right. have been like, oh, yeah, Rent-A-Kid, yeah. And it and you know the roles could have easily been reversed on this. Like it just so happens that you know it was on and we recorded it. Like yeah. <laughs> that's you know the situation. Maybe it's got an amusing title. And another one. And uh, I would argue maybe this one's more in the osmosis. But take a film like um, Jack with Robin Williams, yeah. or maybe something like Baby's Big Day Out, or or something like that, which actually I've never seen. But um, you've never seen Baby's Big Day Out. I don't believe. Oh, have I seen Baby's Big? No, film. I have. I think. No, yes, I have. Yeah, even yeah, friends yeah. are gorilla, Chris. Or or, or getting <laughs> even with Dad. No, no, do you, Chris. Do you know what Chris, I mean, Chris? 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 Huh? Sorry, I don't think you took in what I said there. The baby befriends a gorilla. The problem with I tell you, it's okay, the funniest the shit I've ever seen. No I'm kidding. <laughs> here's the problem with Baby's Big Day Out. Yeah. Baby's Big Day Out was promoted in on. It was one of the trailers at the beginning of the VHS for the Power Rangers, for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Yes. I don't know if I... I feel like that's very familiar to me. I feel like I experienced that. So I don't know if I've seen Baby's Big Day Out or if I've seen the trailer for Baby's Big Day Out like 50,000 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. The thing. There, are, there are movies like that that I'm really, really familiar with their trailer because they were, they were on the VHS of a film I watched a lot. You know, yeah, um, and it yes. was even it was even a poster within. You know, sometimes you got film adverts within the like on the other side of the VHS cover. So when you opened it up, yes, there were yeah, yeah, photos yeah. of other VHSs. It was on that, I'm sure. Um, but so take a film like um, Getting Even with Dad. Absolutely reasonable that someone out there could never have heard of that film. But we, uh, well, I assume you've heard of Getting yes. Even with Dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? How and don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm not trying to defend the choice or anything because Rent a Kid is like low on that list of. <laughs> I think maybe because it's late '80s as opposed to early '90s, like those others, or maybe it's 1990. I, I can't remember. No, Rent a like, Kid's '95, man. It's slap bang in the middle. It's wow, that's crazy. But it's so funny how there's there's, no, there's no way leslie nielsen would have made this movie in the 80s he was he was riding high mate he was doing he oh, was yeah, doing yeah, airplane yeah. i was, didn't i just he, i he didn't was, i must admit I, I didn't look it up but i was taking a pure guess <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm just saying like but, you know like, leslie nielsen only started doing this kind of movie later in his career like he you know yeah. he, he didn't need to do this in the 80s he, uh, he'd done airplane he was you know he was he was doing hot shots like he was a uh, you know look Looking at looking at what's on my screen, uh, 1990 was Ghost Dad, so I think maybe that's why it was in my head. Mm. Um, but the my point is, like, it's funny how are there are these movies. But what's really amusing is <laughs> usually when there's, in fact, uh, let me, uh, I haven't got Spotify. Usually when there's a movie like that, Baby's Big Day Out, Getting Even with Dad, that yeah. kind of movie that 
it didn't really make the cultural zeitgeist, but if you happen to have had had the Power Rangers VHS or saw it, wait, on did TV, you just say zeitgeist? That's <laughs> a little reference to Ghost Dad. <laughs> yeah, this, this there's a very real chance this podcast could become more about Ghost Dad than Rent a Kid. But anyway, um, just for something to talk about. But what's funny is <clears throat> usually with those films, you can find like. I uh, I'll do it now. I haven't got. I don't know if you've got access to Spotify. Um, I do. But let's let's g- g- search in Spotify. Getting even with Dad. Do you reckon there's a soundtrack on there? There might be a soundtrack, a review. See, there's nothing on YouTube, although there's clips. Like there's the mini golf scene. But you, my point is, we'll see what Spotify says. <coughs> Usually, getting even with Dad. There's an episode of a podcast called <coughs> We Love to Watch. There there's you go. A, there's a song they, this... called "Getting Even with Dad" from DJ 007. Uh... The pod, the podcast is my point. Usually, nostalgia critic has done something, or one of those guys on yes. YouTube has yeah, done yeah, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you can find a podcast like we've just had there. A, a, a movies podcast has done an episode on "Getting Even with Dad." Usually, certainly for American films, obviously we've done a film like this before, The Parole Officer, but it's it's a little bit different with British films. But yeah, because right, this... you don't expect a British film to have necessarily permeated American culture, especially it, it, a low especially budget a Br- sort of you know, yeah, and especially a British film in the in the noughties. But like eighties, nineties American movies, you can usually find even if they're sort of that mid tier, didn't really hit pop culture but have someone people knowing like your baby's big day out so you're getting even with dads etc usually you can find something as we've just proven with getting even with dad there is nothing any i looked on spotify i looked on youtube no one's making any content about rent a kid apart from us <laughs> so hey maybe we've got new listeners maybe we've got those huge rent a kid fans that are like fucking hell there's some content about rent a kid it's nuts it's nuts how forgotten this movie is it's not when you watch the movie like that's the problem like that's like you know so you know in reference to your like you don't remember this you you don't remember chris the 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 iconic scene where the stereo blows up you don't remember that did you you know yeah i mean that's the do you remember remember the iconic scene where the the dog opens the door jumps onto a table where a party is just cleared magically he gets a turkey Then he goes back into the room and the door closes behind him like the dog closed the door himself. I I swear to you, there were some moments I laughed, usually involving Leslie Nelson. But I swear to you, I had Neeson, however you Nielsen, however you said. I I had this thought. Mm. Oh shit. I'm not sure I remember the movie enough to talk about it. I'm gonna need to have the movie up and flick through as we review it. I swear to you, I had that thought two hours after watching the movie yeah <laughs> and i was paying attention i wasn't looking at my phone i was watching i was watching the movie and literally two hours after the movie thought i don't know if i remember that movie enough <laughs> well I, I made some notes uh, look there, there are things i like about this movie and, it, and i and i'll say right now you know leslie nielsen is probably the best thing in the movie um he plays a really yeah. fun character um, there's a scene really early on where I thought I had hope that the movie was actually going to be really good. Where so basically Leslie Nielsen plays this guy 
who runs a, a, a business where he just rents stuff out, like, inexplicably. Like, he'll rent out, like, glasses. Like, so, like, oh, you want As some, in, you, want, you, need, you, you need, like, this one glass, you know, um, this one, you know, like a tumbler, like, a, for, for, like, water or whatever. And, he, you know, he's like, this one glass cost me, like, one dollar, and I've rented it out so many times, it's earned me that time, you know, a hundred times over. And he's, he's this weird sort of, sort of wise talking like a quick talking like sort of like almost like a del boy type sort of scam artisty guy but not but not really because he's he's genuinely providing you the service and there's this really great joke early on where he's in his office with his son and someone comes in and goes we've run out of lamps to rent and he just unplugs the lamp on his own desk and hands it to the guy and then they sit in darkness because he's just rented out his lamp that tells you everything you need to know about the character but it's also a very good joke and i was like oh okay maybe this will be like a pretty good movie like maybe i'm gonna really enjoy this um they only do one other good joke like that i think um which is when he tells the little girl that the house she's going to has a dog and then when he gets there and they don't have a dog he's like oh i guess you'll have to rent one then (laughs) which i think is an amazing an amazing sort of scam um and made me laugh quite a lot and there's this running joke that he repeats things other people say back at them or he, he repeats things he's just said randomly um I don't really like get it in the sense of I don't understand what that joke is. Like I don't know what they're what they're telling me about this guy. That he just he's he's sort of fast talking, but also he like sometimes runs out of things to say, so he just says the other thing again to try and bamboozle you. Um, uh, you know, but like you know, he is the best thing about the movie. Second best thing being Christopher Lloyd. Um, you know, it's. I, I, it- I do- I do, sorry, on that, I do have to say as well, maybe you were about to say this, uh, as schmaltzy as it is, yeah. I think the ending, I've seen movies where the ending lands a lot less than it lands here. By the end of the movie, you do, you know, it is a little, a little heartwarming. It does, it does, I think, I think as bland as the movie is, it achieves its goals. <laughs> yes and no, because I do, do you not feel, okay, right, this is the, this is just a general, like, script writing question for you chris right if you do a movie right and the goal is found family right like at the end of the movie the characters kind of see each other as family right they might not necessarily be family but that's how they see each other by the end they have they they see value in each other and they're a unit now yeah in the middle of the movie or towards the end of your second act you need to do stuff to sort of make it look like that might not happen Right, you know the low point of the three act structure. You know, mm. do you not think that they don't really do enough to make up for the shortcomings of the parents? Uh, well, okay, they no, 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 keep more general. They keep more general. If you do the down point so hard that you go like, God, these people are not fit to be together at all. You've then got to do a lot of work to earn I'm happy that they're back together. Because all this movie ends up doing for me, and for, oh, we should explain the premise, but will, let me just finish this thought and we'll, 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 we'll clarify the premise. Because no one who's watching this has seen this movie, listening to this has seen this movie, so we really do need to explain it. But I will say now that I think, or do, I, I, I guess I asked the question, don't you think they do too much to make these people seem like unfit parents? <laughs> Uh, that at the end they don't it's harder for them to earn me being happy about the outcome <laughs> mm, I think, well I think they don't and we'll maybe talk about it as we after wrapping up we can go into more detail about it I 
I hear what you're saying. It's still it still landed for me. I still was like, oh, that's sweet. But I think part of the problem is also not only do they not do enough to turn it around, they don't. There's a part. There's <laughs> there's a part of this movie where like it's like they couldn't work out. It's like they had three children and two parents and couldn't work out how to make the numbers work. <laughs> so so. One's with one, one's with another, and then one has to go to Christopher Lloyd. And I'm like, but now I don't believe that this older kid's ever going to really bond with them because I've not really seen them with seen him with them. <laughs> so I, they they need to do more work on all of it, I guess is my point. Yes, they need to do more work on that element that you're talking about. They also need to do more work on making them bond in the first place. <laughs> like yeah. the older kid in particular... We only really see him bond with Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, um, I tell you, I, I'm going to very quickly recap the whole the whole movie because there's no way anyone's watching this, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not recommending it. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming you feel the same way, Chris. Yeah, because I, I look, I didn't have an unpleasurable experience, and maybe the reason the ending landed more for me is because whilst I can't overly pinpoint it, there is some nostalgia. There is somewhere some nostalgia. Because you know what I mean. I, I, it was familiar to me. I watched it as a kid. Maybe I could accept them being a family more because I've I've already seen that a couple of times or or something like that. So, but I, so I, I didn't exactly. There are probably movies I'd have to look at the list. Well, The Girl Next Door, for example. There are movies I've enjoyed less on this podcast for sure. Um, there are movies I've definitely, you know, enjoyed less, but you know, is that because there was some nostalgia somewhere and it's only 80 minutes? Probably. Would I recommend anyone that doesn't have those things watch this movie on the merits of it as a movie? No. (laughs) So no, no, I wouldn't recommend it either. You can't recommend it. I I just think like, there's just no point anyone watching this movie. This this movie is like, just, it's just nothing. But I'll, I'll explain the plot and we'll, we'll go into it. So the, the plot of the movie basically is um, this gentleman has a, a like an adoption home, like a care home for kids, and he's trying to get all these kids adopted. And But he's stressed out. He's, he's overworked and he needs a vacation in the lead up to Thanksgiving. He decides to go on vacation and leave his dad, who is this kind of Del Boy, rents everything out, sort of like, you know, fast talking guy. And he suggests, why don't we just rent out the kids? That'll get rid of them. Uh, you know, people can... Uh, well, he just, I don't even think he was reason. He's just like, we could rent out children. And he's like, Dad, that's insane. You can't... They're human beings. Do not do that. Just watch the home for a couple of weeks. If anyone calls, field the calls. You know, don't do anything. You're, you're basically just here to, you know, keep the ship running for the time being. Don't rot the boat. So he goes away on his holiday. And his dad immediately rents out three children. And he um, doesn't rent them out to people that are vetted and they know and are um, under, under uh, like, you know, already sort of known, uh, no, known to the just, adoption there's... agency. He, he rents them out to two people he meets in a Mexican restaurant. There's a scene where he's looking at paperwork and going, oh, you've got no convictions. They cover that in a line, Dan. Good for them. Uh, <laughs> so this this family, basically the way he, what he does is he overhears them in a restaurant Talking about, they don't know. They're very busy. They have, they're, they're, you know, they've got good, they've got good careers going on, and they don't know if they've got time for children in their lives, and they don't want to commit to children, um, because what if they don't? You know, you can't take that back. 
if you have if once you've had kids do they know if they're ready for kids or would be good at looking after kids or even would have the time for children this is a very sensible conversation for these people to be having and he provides them with the option now i haven't looked this up chris but i will add this very quickly and we'll, we'll talk about this when we review it properly i'm pretty sure trial periods with adopted kids is actually a thing that does exist in real life where if you're looking to adopt a child they, they do a you know you, you they stay with you for a period of time first just to make sure it's a good fit for both parties before the final adoption papers are signed i don't think i, I i'm sure that's actually a thing but the movie presents it as rent a kid and then acts appalled at the idea very strange anyway um so he says i've got three kids that you can rent right now up until thanksgiving day they take them on board um shenanigans ensue the kids decide that they'd like to be adopted by this family so they can stay together because otherwise the youngest sibling is going to be adopted separately and that would separate the the, the the three siblings so they decide they're going to impress this family by behaving um during this adoption period in order to um convince them to adopt them as a trio at the end that's their goal um the 10 days play out as exactly as you'd expect hijinks ensue there's a big dog it's funny because it's big um there are precious things in the house that get damaged there is the lincoln letter which we don't really see much reaction to like, no there's never literally no- <laughs> there's, there's an item never. That, where they're like oh you need to you need to be careful of that this is a really important item and then the dog eats it with no one else present and it's never mentioned again correct so, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, there's a bunch of shenanigans. The kids turn up all the dials on the stereo and it explodes. And it's like, oh, I think our plan about behaving isn't really working out. But then, you know, the movie switches gears into these two people are absolutely unfit to be parents. Um, the guy yells at the daughter in a really cruel way uh, and loses his rag with it. They do a thing where they forget to go home after work. They just go out for a meal and drinks and forget that they had children um deeply irresponsible um they let one of the kids stay with just the 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 guy that works at the front desk in their building who they know as a a, from his his role as a the the guy at the front desk but they don't know that guy could be a like could be anything like that's 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 you don't just leave a kid with a rando like that but sure fine all right um then um, the, I think one of the worst ones is like when they think they found the letter again and Christopher Lloyd's like the kids are going to come down and hang out with me for a bit and they're like yeah whatever like it's just a thousand reasons these two people should never have children um, and then the, 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 the then the movie shows them looking sad realizing that they that they, they do feel something for the kids and then the, the remainder of the movie is them trying to convince me that they should have kids again by having them um, uh go down and join them where they're having this meal separately um then they let them stay in their bed when there's a thunderstorm and then i'm supposed to believe they're good parents now and they decide they 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 they, they want those kids and they chase down the uh they, they, and if you're thinking when i say chase down if you're thinking oh the climax of the movie is they're running to get the kids back before they get adopted elsewhere or something and it's like a car chase or some other comedic or exciting thing happening don't worry about it this movie's got you covered with its blandness no they just get they just get down to the lobby before they leave um and they go we want the kids and the guy goes okay i'll make it happen and then they get the kids and that's the end of the movie um yeah it's a real roller coaster of blandness um like i said there's some good jokes in the movie but like no 
Well, a lot of it. Let's talk about because as as great as as much as um, Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. is that right? Am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, cool. As much as he's probably the best thing in it. Yes, I think actually the movie rides on like the movie is bland rather than boring. Yes, because of, I would agree. it rides on Chris, Christopher Lloyd's shoulders. And I think the reason it rides on Christopher Lloyd's shoulders is because uh, Leslie Nielsen's character is is deliberately quite separate from the action. He's Mm -hmm. not really around during all the kids and the family bonding. Christopher Mm -hmm. Lloyd, one, is the only character with any sort of nuance. Like, there's a bit... like, And this is part of the problem with this movie. There's a bit... In probably one of the most complex character moments in the movie... There's a bit where Christopher Lloyd, they're having a, the parents, the, 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 the probably not shouldn't be parents' parents, are having a schmoozy Thanksgiving dinner with loads of other people who the kids aren't interested in. The kids want just a family Thanksgiving dinner. Christopher Lloyd's character comes in. They're like, can you stay for dinner? And the parents who, are, even though Christopher Lloyd is clearly a, a great guy, are suddenly inherently snobby about it because their friends are around, I guess. Um, and they're like, well, he probably doesn't, he's probably got his own plans. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I've got plans. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got people coming over. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of feel like he might be lying. The kids, the kids say, can we go with him? The parents aren't even looking because basically Christopher Lloyd has brought back this linking letter, Lincoln letter, which is a whole subplot, um, involving this letter that could be worth a lot of money. So the kids go off with him and then he's on the phone having what felt to me to be a fake conversation. And going, oh, you, oh, you crashed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And suddenly you feel, really feel for this guy. And you're like, oh, he's got no one to spend Thanksgiving with. He was lying. But now he's got these kids to spend Thanksgiving with, at least. That's really sweet. My favorite bit about that. So I turned to Jess and I'm like, oh, that's quite, like, nice. Like, that's quite a big character thing because I'm, I'm assuming he's lying. And Jess is like, well, yeah, me too. But why has he got, like, six TV dinners if he's lying? <laughs> Like, well, maybe he's I, just well, that, got I th- them, I guess. <laughs> I think that could be even sadder. Like, he just eats TV dinners, life, and he's yeah. got like he's got a week of TV dinners in his freezer. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, which exactly. is which is like even sadder. Like, there's and a part then, of me at that point that hoped the ending of the movie was that he'd adopt the kids. Well, yeah. Well, I think he's. I think the thing is, he's very much going to be in their lives because also he. Like, throughout the movie, he can see what's going on. He leads to them getting the nice letter from the little girl. He's very... He welcomes the family in when that makes them realise they should be there. And the reason I, I, I thought of Christopher Lloyd when you were talking is because the the best bit of the quote-unquote climax is when the parents run down and Christopher Lloyd points and says that way. And, like, because he knows that... he You know what I mean? He He's all-seeing. He's wise. He knew they were going to change their minds. He knew they were going to want to want the kids, and he's just like, "Yeah, they're over there." Like, and he's just so happy and charming, and like, so I watched the trailer for this movie, and Christopher Lloyd is barely in it, although they make they make a lot of his name. Whilst I think Leslie is probably funnier and more of a character, the Chris the movie rests on Christopher. Christopher Lloyd does the heavy lifting of this movie. Well, <laughs> like, he, does the, he does the heavy emotional lifting. 
Yes. Um, he's yeah, the and one Leslie who... does the heavy comedy, comedic lifting. Yeah. Yes, because I think, like, so the scene that I thought was the most striking and the most maybe powerful scene in terms of, like, actually making me feel something instead of just making me feel like I was watching White Noise, uh, which a lot of this movie is <laughs> like, um, was the scene when the, the Lincoln letter has been... So uh, we should explain this very briefly for for audience members. So there's a letter that they so the the, the couple in question. One of the, their job is that they seem to deal in um, historical artifacts, um, and they've come across this letter that was supposedly written by Lincoln um, towards the end of the um, the Civil War. Um, it was about it was like it was like the terms of agreement. If if they get defeated, this is what they might try and negotiate for their states, something like that, and. It's a potentially very valuable letter. Um, they've had the signature authenticated, uh, and they're looking at auction it off. And it's the big, how are the kids going to damage this precious thing <laughs> and ruin their relationship with these prospective parents of the movie, right? It, you're waiting for it to happen the second it's introduced. Um, and they, and then you, you two seconds after it's introduced, you know how it's going to be destroyed because they do the thing of, oh, I need blank paper. Where can I get it? And the dad says, it, in my in my briefcase. And she opens the briefcase, gets out a blank piece of paper, and writes, starts writing on it and drawing on it, or whatever. And I was going, well, the Lincoln letter will be in that briefcase later in this movie, and she'll grab it. Like I, you can see that all playing out. But basically, the little girl takes it, she writes on it, she um, ends up mailing it off or attempting to. We find out later. That's a different plot point. And um, the dad finds out and screams at her and he keeps telling her it's all it's her fault. And then Lucas Floyd's like, no, it's not your fault. He's like, it is her fault. And he's just being such an asshole. And it's the look on Christopher Lloyd's face of like, it's what it's how he sells the affection for the little girl. No, it's not your fault. And how he looks back at the dad as the dad is yelling at the little girl and blaming her for this terrible thing that sells that entire scene. That exact same scene plays out with a different actor in, in the Larry role. Um, it's a different scene. It doesn't work at all. Um, so, yeah, I think... Yeah, I, th- I think like yeah, I'd agree you know, with that. that all of the heart and all of the emotion you feel in that scene, and I did feel in that scene really sad for the little girl, um, was because of Christopher Lloyd's performance in it, and it is absolutely astounding how good he is in that scene and in many of the scenes in this movie. But that is a particularly good moment for sure because I think it's full of nuance. He's not, he's not, he's portraying it with say there's no dialogue to portray well, other than him comforting the girl. He throughout this film he portrays what he is what the character is thinking so unbelievably clearly and it shouldn't be understated how phenomenal that is from an acting point of view how not many actors there are plenty of films i've seen where actors are unable to portray what the character is thinking with without you know saying it it's the reason that a lot of films have awful dialogue because you know people feel they need to say it because they can't like show it. Christopher Lloyd is showing it all over this movie, mm-hmm. like the 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 nuance that he is bringing is really really strong. I agree. I agree. And I think like you know the movie tries to have its fun like chaotic moments as well. Like it's all these moments that are like supposed to be like the equivalent of like. You know, in all of the family movies this time, like, you know, where crazy stuff happens, but it just never seems to commit to any of them. Mm. So the stereo blowing up is one tiny shot. 
the dog grabbing the turkey is probably the one they commit to the most. Yeah, but even then, like you say, we don't see the with it, we don't see with with both of those. We don't really see the comeuppance. Like the stereo blowing up is actually the kids are trying. The kids have said at the beginning of the movie, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to talk about the opening sequence as well. But the kids have said at the beginning of the movie that they're going to try and be good so that they can stick together because a lot of people, some people have tried to adopt them but adopt them separately, um, and they want to stay together. So the stereo blowing up is is meant to be this big sort of, oh shit, like this isn't behaving well, but we don't see the parents' reaction to it. We don't see them getting into trouble. And the dog, the dad's got this whole thing about not wanting the dog. The dog taking the turkey is presumably the the dad's worst nightmare because he's about to get like turkey and turkey juice everywhere and maybe like fuck up the apartment. And we don't even see what the apartment, we don't see what the aftermath of that is. Like, mm. the joke is literally, dogs nicked a turkey, which isn't really a joke. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we don't see... The problem with those bits are, we don't really actually see... We don't see the payoff, really, on either. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. There's I a whole... I... Yeah, it's uh, and that's part of the thing that's missing. They don't really. Yeah, it's like you 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 do the thing that you'd consider like one of the quote unquote like set pieces, you know, moments of chaos in a movie like this, and you don't actually do anything with it in terms of like well, how the... it affects their relationships because you're too busy that's... being you're too busy setting up the Lincoln letter, you know. That's um, well, that's my and that's my problem. There's not a lot of there's a whole oh chunk we've of this forgotten movie. we've forgotten the sequence in the hospital too. So there's a sequence. Well, this is what I was just about to get there. So oh, okay, the, go on. The, there's the, there's a whole. There's a whole chunk of this movie, like the middle part, mm-hmm. which doesn't even like at one point I I paused it and turned to Jess and went, this doesn't feel like a movie. Like we've talked about the ending a lot where it feels more like a movie, but mm. there's a point in the middle, like pretty much from the moment they get the kids where it just feels like a series of sketches. It's mm. just a collection of scenes that like show some degree of bonding, but they're not really linked they're not they're not really together it's just literally a series of separate scenes usually involving one adult and one child including within that a hospital skit and a hospital sketch which is a sequence where basically he takes the youngest boy on a on a hospital tour and at one point it looks like the boy might have run off to 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 um undertake surgery on someone which it turns out isn't the case um and it's just like it's just a sketch like it's it's also not particularly amusing but my biggest issue with that whole section of the film is how disconnected everything seems and how it's like they just felt they needed it's not quite a montage but it is in essence that effect of oh well we just need a bunch of scenes here and let's not worry if they feel cohesive or connected and the, the hospital scene which you know I'll let Dan talk about in more detail it, the hospital scene is a big part of that like it's just this it's part of this weird portion where it didn't even particularly feel like a film to me <laughs> yeah the middle section of the movie does note that it's really scatter shot it's just like collections of related ish scenes um which are i think designed to show the family bonding um but as you said and pointed out correctly earlier it doesn't really cover the the oldest child so Mm. 
the um the 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 mother of this new potential family takes the daughter for a meal and there's actually it's a really nice moment actually when they go she realizes she might have made a mistake taking this little girl to quite a fancy restaurant so she makes her order and it's this like complicated fancy oyster based thing i think or so i can't remember what it is now it's like whatever she orders it's, it's something that's very fancy and the little girl just wants a grilled cheese and the right waiter looks like appalled that she's having an order of grilled cheese. And then to make the little girl feel better, the mother says, um, you know what? I'll have a grilled cheese too. And like the waiter looks even more offended. And that's the joke. Like, <laughs> you know, you can't ruffle his mustache enough, you know, um, uh, in disgust at these, these two ruffians ordering grilled cheese in his establishment so that's kind of fun and it's a sweet moment and and again the movie actually never really paints her as a particularly bad potential mother they do a lot of work no. to make the, the, the guy that you know the potential dad of this family look like an absolute shithead though um so the dad um the dad's take his his thing is what the middle child and this is never brought up again after this sequence by the way when we first meet the middle child at the orphanage, he's constantly trying to operate on things, whether it be stuffed animals, toys, or occasionally, if he gets hold of them, real frogs. And uh, because he wants to be a surgeon, that's his dream career. And the first thing this potential dad does, and I actually thought this was very sweet, was he goes, well, I know a guy that's a surgeon. Maybe we'll bond and I'll take him to go, he can go be at a hospital and learn from it, like talk to a surgeon and you know, maybe we'll spark some excitement in the things he's interested in. I thought that was very sweet and very considerate and a very nice thing to do. So he calls his surgeon friend. They go to the hospital. He immediately feels, the dad immediately feels woozy because he's not great with blood, but the kid's really into it. He wanders to the toilet and leaves him in, you know, being looked after by the, uh, by the, by his mate, the doctor mate. Um, and when he gets back, the kid's gone. He's like, where is he? He's like, oh, I thought you went to the bathroom. He's like, well, I didn't see him in the bathroom. They're like, oh, no, the kid's missing. And then what proceeds to happen is like just five minutes of him stumbling around the hospital, causing well, all sorts no, of Dan, chaos. No, Dan, Dan, you, you're, forgetting a, you're forgetting a key detail. He's stumbling around the hospital because he's act- accidentally injected with anesthetic. <laughs> Right, but that's part of the stumbling around the hospital. Because like he, when he first starts stumbling around the hospital, he has yet to be injected. But one of the things that happens on that journey, yes, is he gets accidentally injected with anaesthetic, which makes him get you know progressively less in control of his body as he goes. Although he seemed fairly not in control of his body when he first stumbled into the room and got himself injected accidentally. You know, at what point was he actually injected with anaesthetic, Chris? Because I'm going to su- suggest possibly before that point. <laughs> Um, so like yeah so there's this scene that's supposed to be a sort of comedic set piece of the movie right and I, and, and again I don't think there's anything wrong with that in principle and they've tied it to the plot in that it's the dad trying to be a dad trying to be a good dad trying to you know he, the kid has an interest he's trying to support him in his interest right he wants to be a surgeon let's go to a I've got a mate let's I'll, they'll hook us up we'll go we'll go to the hospital let's see if that's something you are interested in Let's again on paper that works perfectly fine. In practice, it's just a bunch of disparate, not very funny jokes, and that's the other thing. None of it is like unfunny, but none of it is particularly funny. Like the the, the big conclusion to this set piece is he sees through the glass this very short doctor with the mask on, 
about to cut into someone and thinks the son has the child has snuck into the theater and is actually about to operate on a real human and he runs in and tries to like stop the guy operating and he's like no it's a child and then the guy pulls his mask down and he's a, he's just a he's just a short man but he's clearly a man and he's got like stubble <laughs> it's quite a it's kind of funny i guess but like not like laugh out that's the problem with this movie like there are so many things that get like a little uh huh out of me do you know what i mean like there's a lot of those like oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, kind yeah. that's mildly amusing i guess and that is like that is this movie in a nutshell like it is just like nothing about it strictly speaking doesn't work you, movies at this level are normally senseless full of logic holes full of like weird choices the character arcs mostly track the story beats mostly follow into each other it's not particularly messy. It's also just not particularly good. It's also very. It's, it feels very derivative. Like nothing in the movie um, feels particularly original, but it just. It's that. never. The quality is never above. That's fine. I'll have to. I'll have to. Whilst I agree with you in the main, Dan, I'm going to have to disagree with. I'm going to have to challenge the notion that there's <laughs> nothing in the movie that doesn't work, and I would like to present as my evidence the opening scene. <laughs> yeah i kind of i must admit for me the movie starts following that i i does that, that i've never known a scene to be more pointless in all my life but yeah you can i mean look it, i guess it tells you a little something about the kids situation maybe but yeah go maybe on. You can, it, it, you, I, i've described the hospital scene chris take us through the opening scene which i'm sure you love there's a man who absolutely loves these kinds of things <laughs> Yeah, so for long-term listeners, the opening scene is a dream sequence, and very clearly a dream sequence from the off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the opening scene has, basically, it's it's the little girl's perfect, ideal scenario. So it's this, it's this house, it's this massive um, mansion house, and behind each door is like this, you know, one room's got literally a, a carousel in, and I think it's called Carousel Room. One room's got a giant bed with loads of teddy bears in. One room's got like a fun fair. And like it's basically each room is like a kid's fantasy and a kid's dream and stuff. And then at the end, it's um, it's there's a, there's one door they they shouldn't open, and she opens it, and they get they get kicked out of the house, and it's all her fault. And they start chanting. Everyone's looking at her chanting. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. And then she wakes up. I don't know what you're thinking. You're thinking. Well, that sounds like, you know, it's telling us a lot about this child's psyche and we feel quite sorry for this child. And, and you know, it's it's quite a harmless fun. There's a room with a carousel in it. It's I imagine it's quite fun and, and, and harmless. What what are you complaining about? It's hard to explain, isn't it, Dan, how creepy this entire scene feels? Yeah, it is. <laughs> how, it, it how is, unsettling it, yeah. it feels. How it, weird the parents feel. It is, for a family movie... One of the creepiest opening scenes I've ever right. seen. I think I think on paper, it definitely could have just been a charming opening that tells you a little something about the imagination of the kids in question, their hopes yeah, that's for the reason, the reason I make Their hopes for getting out of the... Go on, sorry. The reason I make that joke is because as I'm describing the scene, in my head I'm thinking, this doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> but it's, it is. Yeah, it's it's all it's a lot of it's in the tone. Like so, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like you know, it tells you about their hopes for getting out of that of that home, and it actually makes you feel a little bit sorry for the kids because they're just dreaming of like being looked after and like getting 
things and like you know being together and it you know on paper the scene is is fine um it, but yeah it's all in the tone i don't know if it's the music the weird like the dutch angles because all the stuff they've used to try and make it feel like a dream sequence a part of i think what make it feel creepy um uh, yeah and, and you are sort of waiting for it to potentially turn into a horror film um yeah and so i'm i'm intrigued to know because you said yesterday I don't, I don't know what I, I maybe you'll give the context of it but you said yesterday you'd seen 10 minutes of the film um which like presumably you sat down when you didn't necessarily have time to watch it all but were like intrigued enough to watch a little bit or something i don't know maybe give the context but i imagine if you'd only seen that it, at least the film was better than what you thought it was going to be based on <laughs> based on the first 10 minutes i suppose yeah so it, the night before i'd i'd been optimistic that i'd been able i'd be able to squeeze the film in um but i'd i'd i had a pretty long day at work and i ended up i was too tired i knew i wasn't paying attention so i ended up stopping myself at that point just so i didn't watch it too half asleep basically um so that's why i ended up watching 10 minutes and then bowing out um yeah i guess so yeah i'm trying to remember where the 10 minute mark even is now that's like that (laughs) it's like i can't even remember where i saw up to um but i think yeah i think i got the i got the, the that opening scene and then the introduction of the kids actually at the i think i got past the lamp scene so i think i had some hope Right, I I think Leslie Nielsen had appeared on screen. (laughs) Yeah, I think Leslie Nielsen had been on screen and they'd done the thing where they were like, we're running out of lamps to rent and he gives him his own lamp, his own personal lamp. I think I'd just finished that scene. So I was like, okay, uh, this movie is all over the place right now. Let's see if it settles into something of value. Um, I'll give you you guys the the, the, the full one now. It did not. Um, This is, it's a nothing of a movie in in the end. It doesn't really amount to anything. But yeah, it was very interesting to see because um, because you know that opening ten minutes is such a fluctuation of quality because the dream sequence, while good intentioned, I think again on paper does not work, and I don't again I can't even really put my finger on why. I just think it's a little too like they they went they lent too hard into the dream dreaminess of it and ended up making it feel like yes creepy. Um, again, it's all the Dutch angles and the weird blurry vision and like I don't know, it's just it all yeah and the way it builds and builds and gets weirder and weirder. No, thank you. Um, but then it has the Leslie Nielsen scene in that first opening 10 minutes. So I was like, I don't know, like there's a scene that I didn't like at all. And then a scene I did quite like, so we'll see, I guess. Um, but I was like, I don't know what this is. And I was expecting, a a, a movie in that vein of like, you know, wild swings in quality and content. And actually in a weird way, I think that emphasized the blandness of the rest of the movie because one of the best jokes in the movie follows one of the weirdest scenes and in in that opening 10 minutes and then the rest of the movie just kind of flatlines and that's like that's actually even that's probably the worst case scenario i think i kind of i would have preferred it be one or the other like a really batshit weird movie that takes yeah. a bunch of big swings and misses or you know a movie um that actually had a lot of good sort of gags and comedic pieces set pieces in it um yeah uh so i don't know it's hard to it's hard it is hard. the reason this movie is so hard to talk about i've always said this i think the biggest crime a movie can be is bland i think a movie that i really disliked i'll always have a lot to say about why it didn't work and a movie that's really good i'll always have a lot to say about what why it worked i always struggle the most when the movie just is it just is mm. and that's 
And that's, you... that's the best I can do. Do you think more? I got two, I got two more comments. <laughs> let's, let's try and get, get to an hour before. Yeah, we well, I mean, this, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'm, I, I made some notes. But, I'll have a flick through them and see if we've covered anything. Well, I, I've got two comments. One, I think more move. I think I think movies should try and bring back the animated cut intro sequences. But okay, well, okay. Mm, yes and no, Chris. Because um, yes, I would like to see more animated intro sequences in general. Um, but um, no to this movie's attempt at it, where they clearly didn't actually have the money to animate an intro sequence. <laughs> so they hired the cheapest and worst artist ever to draw them some still images. And they are the ugliest fucking things I've ever seen in my entire life. I I think you know what I genuinely if you're if someone out there is trying to make a a movie that feels like this a family movie that feels like you know feels like I'm, I don't think I've actually seen this but Father of the Bride feels like how do I shrink the kids it feels like Beethoven sort of cl- cl- Beethoven that feels like those classic eighties nineties family movies. A real easy shorthand to get that from the that nostalgia from the audience, if that's what you're going for, would be to animate the opening sequence. So I think it's a really, it's kind of an easy trick that's there for the taking. And maybe there's family movies out there that have done that. I don't know, but like, yeah, I think that's. Um, I think we, I think we will see it. Or actually, it has it has been done in more recent movies, and we're just not necessarily watching those movies. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, my other note is um, I, I the kid actors are, are, are quite good. Like yeah. for, a, for like often the kid acting, the child acting is hit and miss in movies yeah. like this. Actually, all three are quite good. Like they they do a good job, especially the little girl. She's brilliant. She is, and actually we didn't talk about this at the end of the dream sequence. It actually lands on that. It's all my fault thing. Uh, no, I did talk about that because I start. Ch- I said about them chanting it. Oh, you did. You did in the description. Sorry, we didn't actually talk about the effect of that because that's obviously a setup for later in the movie when mm. the the new potential dad blames her for the Lincoln letter fiasco and tells her it's yeah. all her fault. Um, so yeah, character wise, they set that up. So there you go. Um, the only other notes I have left is um, <laughs> the blonde kid tries to mur- murder a frog, but the guy yells at all three of the children. Which is weird, especially because the little one, the little girl, is the one who actually got him. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was bizarre and unfair. <laughs> like the little girl is the one who was like, "Hey, uh, Mister, my brother's trying to kill a frog," and he's like, "You three, <laughs> the little girl's the one who like you pesky kids." Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that guy's quite fun. I like that actor. He's 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 very per- he's perfect for this role. I looked him up, and sadly, he's passed away since he passed away in 2017. But he's is Tony something Tony Tony Rosato. He's very charming, also in his role. He's very good as this kind of like put upon sort of you know um, I don't know what the, what the word is for the for the, like the, he runs this this children's home or whatever um, you know put upon stressed out like you believe that he's like an overworked you know. Um, boss type that needs a break you know and his, and his, his scenes with, with Leslie Nielsen are all really fun you know he, he's doing a good job too so thumbs up to that yes. guy um, to be fair then is there any bad actor in the original cast of this movie? 
Yeah, in the, in the core cast, I don't think there is a bad actor. No, I don't think there is. No. No, I'm looking through the list. All these people do a really good job. Yeah. I'm just having to flick through myself and, like, actually, everyone's yeah. everyone's good in it. Yeah, even the people that are, like, the secondary cast, like, the people who just show up briefly, who are, like, supposed to be playing, like, you know, snooty friends. Like, even, even that waiter I talked about earlier, you know, the one that's all, like, a grilled cheese? Like, you know, that guy. Yeah, like, yeah. Even he, he feels... Look, is... <laughs> Is he getting an Oscar nominating for uh, nomination for Best Supporting Actor? No, he is not. But does he fulfill exactly what that scene needs in that moment and and sell the idea of you know snooty waiter appalled at grilled cheese? Yeah, he does a really good job at doing that. You know, it's mildly comedic. Um, yeah, but that's the thing with this movie though. That there's nothing bad in this movie. There's nothing good in this movie. It's like, well, okay, I guess the acting is good. I suppose that is the thing. But like in terms of the content of the movie though, it's always just fine. <laughs> really yeah. interesting um yeah so, for sure other notes what other notes you got um it it, it it was very hard for me to believe they'd forgotten they had children at home if i suddenly had kids oh, in my God. house yeah. <laughs> yeah i i got that it was supposed to be funny and i understood the joke and the premise of this, the sequence and for those who don't remember we think we talked about it already but there's a sequence where they basically after work just go out with some friends forgetting that they've got these children at home um and it's christopher lloyd's uh, character who is the the the, the 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 sort of doorman like receptionist guy at their like apartment block i don't know exactly his role but like he's you know he, he seems to be sort of a I don't know what, what it's it's sort of mix, isn't it? It's like it's a mix of doorman and receptionist that he seems to be because he's always behind that desk. I don't know, whatever. Um, he yeah, uh, I, I get the well, I get the impression purely from movies. <laughs> this is my only knowledge of this, but that seems to be a thing. At least in films, it is a thing. That, right, that, but, no, that but, role. but there is a difference between a doorman and a receptionist. Right, there's the guy that's on the door that helps people with their luggage, all that stuff. Yes, and yeah. then there's a separate person that's behind a desk. But yeah, he seems he's doing to be, all of it. He's doing all of it. He's doing all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe um, he's rem- Porter. Would Porter cover all of it, maybe? Yeah, I guess so. It's funny. It's just, it, for some reason, it reminded me. When I, um, years and years ago, I was working at a company where we were contracting this other company to supply us with stock. And the stock was, I'm just going to say, a large product that had to be shipped in big trucks on several pallets. And whenever I emailed this company or contacted this company in any way, shape, or form, this one sort of elderly lady always was the person who replied to the email, responded to the calls, to the point where I started to suspect she was the only person that worked at this large company. And that when she hung up the phone from me, she was then running into the warehouse, moving the stock around, loading up the vans. <laughs> like, she, she, had... she's the only person that works at this company. <laughs> <laughs> I had it reminded me the, the that whole discussion of um, for work um, last year now yeah last year uh, we were staying at a particularly fancy hotel and I remember we needed a taxi and I went up to reception it was so basically I went up to reception oh this wound me up so much actually so I went up to reception earlier in the day right and reception I say can someone order me a taxi for six p.m. this evening. Um, and they say, because because, and I'm not being lazy there. They clearly have a taxi rank they trust and use. Like I'm aware I could Google it and order it myself, but my logic was they'll have a go-to company that are probably trying to impress this hotel. I'll be more likely to sort of get one with with them. So I go up to reception. I ask this, and they go, "Oh, you need the concierge's desk." And I'm like, "Okay, fine." 
So I wander over to the concierge's desk, or however you say it. I ask them the question. They call over someone that was in earshot at the reception desk when I ask. So I'm like, for fuck's sake. So this person comes over, and then they go, don't worry about it. Come down at six, and we'll sort it out for you. And I went, oh, well, can you pre-order one? And they're like, no, 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 just just come down. We'll sort it out. And I'm like, mm, okay. So I go up, and I'm not really trusting that information. <laughs> so <laughs> we were filming. So I tell the crew, I'm like, right, be ready for quarter Half two. Half five. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, that's we'll, exactly we'll what I would have sort this out. <laughs> like, I'm just like, like, right, I'm embedding some time here. So everyone gets together. And we go down and I'm like, oh, I came down earlier, said about a, a needing a taxi and I was told to just come here and, and it will get sorted. And the concierge goes, no worry. And he literally clicks his finger at someone. So someone else comes over and he's like, these guys need a taxi. <laughs> they go, follow me. <laughs> and then we exit the hotel and this poor sod is just trying to flag down a, a London cab. <laughs> and I just stood there like... I could have fucking done this. <laughs> like, now we just Incredible. look like di- divas. Like, but everyone's looking at us in the street, being like, "Really?" And I'm like, "No, not really." This, if I'd have known he was just gonna fucking try and wave down a London cab, I'd have just done that myself. <laughs> Ridiculous. Because I mean, I guess from your perspective, you're sort of thinking like, "There'll be a company that have a relationship." Yeah, I thought they were gonna that, ring that one. Is trusted with this, with this, with yeah. this hotel that they know. And they'll call them and they'll be there at exactly six waiting for you. And it'll be all organized and booked in advance. But that's what yeah. you ended up with. I, I didn't think the bloke was going to go outside and do what we could have just done. <laughs> and then I, uh, and then this, uh, this will shock you, Dan. He couldn't find a cab. <laughs> and, and, we, and we didn't manage to get one until about five past six. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um Oh, right, the movie. Um, let's have a quick look. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the, I'll tell you one thing that I didn't care for, Chris, in the movie. Um, at the beginning of the movie, when we first meet the couple, um, the guy doesn't seem to want kids. He's like, I like our life. I like our life. And the, what, the, the, the wife's like, I want kids. And I'm like, well, one, that's a stereotype. The, the, the wife might be the one that wants kids. I don't know. But it's a 90s movie, fine, whatever. The wife wants kids and the, the, the dad's all like, the, the potential dad, the husband, he's all like... I don't know about these kids. I've got my career, you know. Okay, fine, boring, but whatever. Um, and then it's him that talks the wife into the rent a kid thing. Now, I was relieved at that in the sense of it was more interesting that it's him talking her into doing it because it's kind of a role reversal of what you might expect. But don't do it the other way around in the first scene then, because now the characters seem really inconsistent. I, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't you, want kids, and she did, and now he's the one going, we should try renting kids. Do you think they should have done it, that he suggests that because he thinks it's going to fail and show her that they shouldn't have kids? Yeah, either do The it movie that. doesn't do that, but there's do you two, think, do you think if they'd have done that angle, it could have enhanced it? Two solutions. One is that one. The other is adjust the initial conversation so it ends with him going, you know, uh, indicating... I understand it's something you really want. We'll think about it. Like I'm, I'm not against it completely. If that's what you want, that way, yeah. when he goes, let's try the rent a kid thing. Then you go, that's him making an effort for her. That's him yeah, will, yeah, being yeah. willing to try on her behalf. That's consistent, and I'll take it. Um, or the other way around, where like he's like, okay, you want kids? I don't want kids. 
we don't know between us let's do the renegade thing then you go to an angle so either option makes more sense to me but it just feels like the two conversations the one in the restaurant they have before leslie nielsen sidles up to them and offers them to rent children um and the conversation they then have in the bedroom that leads to them deciding they're going to give that a go um you know it's it, 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 it just feels like two different characters speaking in those two scenes and i just i would have preferred it if they'd written it in a way where the where the, where the father uh, the potential father the husband figure um whose name i keep forgetting um w- w- was more consistent so we we've we've said that sentence a few times and not talked about it and for anyone wondering it's literally what happens he meets a couple in a mexican restaurant and and tries to rent them some kids but i think what's funny about it is it really is played for laughs in the movie like the absurdity of that like characters say that to each other but i think what's funny is they really do do a good job of setting up leslie nelson's character <laughs> that he, he is the type of person that would do that that would spy an opportunity and do it and they set him up with really one scene where he's renting a load of shit and talking about renting to a woman <laughs> but here's the thing though the movie knows that the idea of renting human beings is insane but doesn't really seem to understand why so the joke is always that's crazy yes <laughs> congratulations movie you've noticed yeah. <laughs> like you but they never actually like explore why that's insane they just have a lot of characters say it <laughs> like they, they just have characters keep re- reacting to the notion as if it's crazy without ever actually exploring why that is which is quite weird and very yeah, surreal um <laughs> I do. One of the notes I wrote down as well is I do quite like the boy who cried wolf storyline that they do in the movie. So the oldest kid, his thing. So the youngest kid, the girl, she blames herself for the fact that parents aren't with her anymore. She's just you know a bit sort of damaged a little bit by the loss of their parents um, and is struggling to do it. The, the young, the, the middle kid, um, as always goes with these movies, a bit forgotten by the movie. But his whole deal is he wants to be a surgeon, and again forgotten once we get out of the hospital sequence in the middle of the movie. Um, not really, not really dealt with again. The oldest kid, his thing is he lies. He lies a lot for his own amusement. And when he discovers that the um, Lincoln letter might not be real, they don't believe him. Right. So it's it's a boy who cried wolf storyline. I think structurally it works fine. It's something for the older kid to do. It's a lesson for him to learn. Um, all that jazz. Fine. Perfectly acceptable f- storytelling, I guess. My only qu- my only criticism of it is um, if it's common enough knowledge. That Lincoln couldn't have written this letter because he was not in the place that the letter was written at the time the letter was written, that it's in a a simple, basic Civil War for kids book. Why didn't that come up when they were having it verified? Like, these are two professional, you know, traders of, I mean, do of, they of have historical artefacts. Because one of their colleagues says it at the end. One of this, quite an amusing, even he's good. And he, he plays it in such like a Scooby-Doo way yeah, where he's like, does. this letter is a fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really good. <laughs> but like, but, but what I'm saying is, so if that guy clocks it really simply and just goes, oh, famously Lincoln's wife hated that branch of hotel. So this couldn't have been written in the place that it's claiming to be written. So it must be a fake. And the kid gets a basic sort of like just civil war history book 
that very clearly places Lincoln in a different place at the time the letter was written. Then when they first get that letter, is that not the first thing you do? Just basic research? Could this have been written by Lincoln practically? And also, we've established in the movie that they've had the signature verified. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, I don't understand, movie, what you're going for here. Because it's very muddled, and it doesn't really make sense. Because I just find it hard to believe these two professional, like, traders of historical artifacts had no way of getting this fucking thing checked out and verified themselves. I am with you, though. I do quite like the they don't believe him, but he is right, and eventually they they apologize to him sure. storyline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's yeah. it's 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 one of the most it's one of the more coherent, you know, really straightforward works functions on all the right levels. Just it, it's paced out well. They set it up, they escalate it, they pay it off. It's it's yeah, it's fine, no problem at all. Just from a practical so, perspective, though, the Lincoln letter is its own problem. <laughs> so because we've paid a lot of compliments to acting structure some of the jokes what what could make this film better do we think i i think it's execution yeah and like it doesn't have it doesn't have that it attempts as we've discussed in multiple ways the stereo the the dog the the um the hospital it doesn't have a hilarious scene, a hilarious set piece. There's not quite, whilst things like the Lincoln letter is strong and it's linked nicely to the girl and writing on the note, none of that is linked to the little boy and the surgery side of things. Like mm-hmm. there's not, there's a lot of good ideas, but no real cohesion, cohesion between those ideas. They're not integrated enough. So sort of <laughs> executing everything with just a funnier, punchier script and making it more integrated in terms of the storylines is maybe the big thing. Yeah, and I think making the scenes more entertaining than they currently are because, you know, we just complimented that storyline. There's nothing particularly exceptional about that storyline. It works. We're complimenting it because it functions. We're not complimenting it because it's, it, it's, it's you know, riding high. The, the 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 we're going oh that storyline where the kid is 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 a is a he's set up as a liar he then finds out something for real the parents don't believe him it creates conflict they resolve that conflict we're just going mm. congratulations you've you've created a story that actually functions that's what we're saying mm. none of it is done in a particularly interesting way it's all executed in the blandest most boring way it could possibly be executed we tell you the kid is a liar by having a scene in that apartment where the little girl says this is a thing that my brother told me they're like brother stop lying and then there's a second scene that reinforces it where one of the kids is told something by the brother that's a lie and the kid the adults are like stop lying and they do that they do that twice then they have him get the civil war book they have him say i think the letter's fake and then they go stop lying and then the third final thing is them realizing that having been telling the truth they apologize to him it's could and it's all four or five of those scenes all take place in that same apartment it's all dialogue there's nothing exciting that happens around it it's they don't they, they they've never come up with a more an interesting way to actually tell it they've never come up with a way to explore it in more depth it is just the simplest blandest most obvious way you could tell that story it, it, and and while it functions and we go yeah it's a pretty reasonably good story it's well enough told i understand it i buy it it doesn't. They don't do anything of interest with it, and they and the stuff that they do in the movie, trying to go a step beyond with, is stuff that's been done before and better by other movies. 
Um, that's the other problem. It's very the movie is just generally quite derivative of other family comedies of its time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think you're right. Um, Larry is the saddest character in the history of cinema, though, um, and um, I don't think he gets anything out of it. What about Larry at the end of the movie? What about Larry? Uh, as in, that's Christopher Lloyd's character, yeah? Yeah. Um, he gets these kids are going to be... Around. I think he's he's seen as more of a part. These kids are going to be... They, these kids are going to be in his vicinity. He's still got no family, no friends. Sits eating seven DVD t- t- TV dinners a week in his sad little apartment. I mean, were you... At the beginning of that, it felt like you were doing a, a Chris voice that you sort of... <laughs> Over the course of the sentence, you sort of let off a bit, but I can't, I can't work out if that's what you were doing or not. No, it was just a general, like... Yeah, but I, look, I'm not saying it's good. I'm answering that. I'm answering the question based on the on the movie and what the movie does yes. to some degree is basically say he's pleased that nice things have happened to nice people and that he's shown the kid that can be the Are case. Are they nice people? Um, I think the kid, well, the kids are. I think he's going to be the, the 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 parents see him as part of the family more, and he will. I think he'll be mate. I think Do he's they? getting invited. I think he's getting invited to every Thanksgiving here on out. Like so, they see him as part of the family more, and he's going to have the kids. And and when the parents invariably forget that they've got kids, he'll be there to hang out with them and babysit. So and when know. they emotionally scar the children by snapping at them unreasonably, he'll be there to pick up those pieces too. Yeah, exactly. You can't you can't put a price on that, can you? I can. It's twelve <laughs> yeah, twelve so quid, twelve just... quid an hour. That's my price. <laughs> um, look, it's not done well, but that's that that that's the. What, uh, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, if you, if you if you're gonna go to the trouble of making him seem like the saddest man on the planet you know pretending he's got a family coming and a big meal planned and then revealing he doesn't at all if if you're not going to pay that off with a positive thing at the end when he seems like such a nice man then don't do that sad but do you, family but do you think that was the plan do you think or because that script could be written and performed as if he's genuinely got family coming I don't know if that's intention or if that's just Christopher Lloyd making no, a more I, interesting I, I choice. I so. I think that's very clearly he's making it up. And I think because because when they go down there, there is no food. It's TV dinners. He didn't have any family coming. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 no, he definitely didn't have. He, it was clearly a lie. In the scene upstairs, it's clearly a lie because the, the because it's not. Remember, it's not him that says no. The kids go. Can Larry come and have Miller's and the, and then the, and then the dickhead husband goes no sure larry's got his own family and food to be getting to and then larry goes yeah i've got loads of family coming like it's already a lie then before we even get downstairs and do that yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's always a lie it's i think it's always intended that way i just don't i think either don't include that scene or sequence um if you're not going to pay it off or do that scene and sequence and then have those parents go hey you know what maybe we're not suitable for kids but you know who would do a great job looking after these children larry and they can they can they can or, live with larry or or, or well it, it doesn't even need to be that it could be that as as they're going upstairs and getting in the lift one of the kids says but what about what about work you know you still you still have work we are going to need some form of babysitter and they look at larry and fuck it for the sake of cheese even though it makes no sense because larry's got a job to do fuck it larry smiles and joins them in the elevator 
I'd take that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it would be yeah. shit. And you would, my lasting moment of the movie would be me thinking, what about Larry's job? <laughs> but hey, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe Larry's retiring. And then, you know, he's, and then they say, he, he said, they say, we're going to need a babysitter. And Larry says, well, you know, maybe I don't want to retire. Mm. And they all smile. And yeah. Um, then cut to cut to Larry telling the older boy the the the, the, the boy says, "Man, I I really love this Civil War stuff. Have you have you got any more about the Civil War?" And Larry smiles and he and he opens up a secret door and there's a DeLorean there and he's like, "Where we're going, I can show you the Civil War." And no, then the movie where we're ends. going, they don't have roads. <laughs> <laughs> and then the movie ends with Larry. Who's revealed to be Doc Brown and that little kid going off into uh, into the Civil War in the in the DeLorean, and that was Chris loses his mind for five minutes for this week. Hope you all enjoyed that, that famous segment from this podcast where Chris tries to rewrite the movie and starts by coming up with a really reasonable, sensible premise for how to maybe fix a problem we've noticed in the movie, but winds up doing something insane. Um, come back next week to see more. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I honestly, Chris, anything. I'd take anything. I, 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 my, my issue is that they do nothing with it, and you could pitch a hundred things at me, increase each increasingly weirder than the last, and I will probably say to all of them, I'd prefer that to what we get here, which is zero. <laughs> the yeah, solu- yeah. There's two solutions: do something with it, or don't set it up. Because I wouldn't be having this question, Chris, if it was just. Larry comes in just to check on everyone and bring back the letter. And they're like, Larry, can you can we come down to yours? Because we're bored out of our minds here. And he goes, uh, let me check with your parents. Are they okay to come come down and have, have dinner with me? Because I'm, I'm, I'm making a little dinner. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We're looking at this letter. Fuck off, kids. And then the kids go down with Larry. And they're just having a meal. And there's no thing about him being lonely or eating TV dinners. Because he's actually got a little meal he's prepared for himself. Like You could still maybe go, that's kind of sad. But if the movie doesn't directly address it, then you don't have that question at the end of the movie. The other solution is, do anything else with it. Um, the way it's set up is now, is that the problem is that there's, there isn't a solution. Um, Chris, have you got your bus ticket? Yeah, although, although, one last thing on that. Yeah, go on. I... I don't think Larry's actually sad about being alone. He just doesn't want to make the parents feel bad about him being alone. So his whole fake, I don't interpret his fake, oh yeah, no, no, as him pretending to himself. I think he's specifically pretending to them. Sure. Yeah. Um, I've got my bus ticket, Dan. Where are we hopping on board to, my friend? Well, we're gonna we're going about eight stops to Nitpick Corner. <gasps> nitpick Corner? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Small Nitpick Corner, just a very little one. Um... There's a there's a thing in the movie, earlier in the movie, where there's there's a thunderstorm, and they go, well, kids would, you know, what did you do when you were a kid? Well, I went into my parents' bedroom, and they look at the door, kind of almost like hopeful, you know, what do these kids think enough of us to come in? And then the kids don't, and they're like, well, I guess these are toughened up orphanage kids who don't give a shit. They're not bothered by lightning. But then the dog comes in all... You know, all scared of the lightning, and that's the joke, right? Movie tries to pay this off later by having lightning thunder happening, and the kids do come in. All of them. And then the bed collapses because there's too many people in the bed. Ha ha ha. Hilarity ensues. Why didn't the kids go in the first time? 
Yeah, I really thought they did like them enough to go in, to be honest. Like, it's never really... The the movie's never about the kids not liking them. That's fairly instant, except except for the older kid who they spend zero time with. Um, <laughs> I was like, it is a bit odd that the kids haven't gone in. Like what the way you fix that is you cut to the kids together so they are scared they have f- gone together but one of them says shall we go in and they say no they don't they don't like us enough they don't they haven't shown us they love us enough to go in like or something like that but yeah at the moment i was expecting the kids to go in in that moment as well yeah or if they don't go in then don't do another scene at the end of the movie where they do because if you just set up, no, they're just tougher than that, then I'm okay with it. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, um, there you go. Because that, actually, that's it, would make, it would make sense. It would make sense for them to... And you could even... Oh, that's another better version of this movie. You have the kids be really hardened, be really... Re- like, really... Like, not tough, but pretending to be tough. Because they've been in the fucking... I mean, maybe it's too dark an idea for this movie. But they've been in the system too long. They've been they've been doing this too long and they've had to toughen. And actually, you know, a, a better version of this movie is not just about what the parents learn, but it's the kids learning to let go of, especially the older kid, learning to let go of some of that and learning that, you know, and then you can do those scenes as they are. Because in the first scene, the kids have got this hard shell and that they've formed um, because of their past and they, they don't go in for that reason. But by the end of it, They've learnt to they've learnt to open up to the parents, and they they do go in for that reason. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we can sit here all day rewriting this movie and making it better, but I guess I guess that the, the reason we the, the reason that keep, we we keep doing that in this podcast is just because we're yearning for it to be more than what it is, because what it is is mm. just so impossibly bland. So, do I recommend the movie? No, it's not bad enough to be funny or good enough to be worth recommending on its own merits. Don't go near it. Um, watch the trailer, maybe? Yeah, why not? Watch a trailer. If you're interested. God, I can't even really recommend that. No, no, no the trailer's fine. Two minutes of your time. That's what you should do. Um, should, we, should we try and... <sighs> there isn't triv. Let's, but we'll, we'll, let's, let's, let's do a very... Um, let's do a very reserved, let's triv it up and give you some trivia. Okay. Because just to set people up for what, what's actually going to happen here. Okay. You ready? Let's triv it up. Give you some trivia. There you go. Just oh, really man. low stakes. Man. Because Chris Hey, okay. I I I I don't know about anyone else, but what you did, phew, I'm turned on. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um well there you go, Chris. I I know I know what buttons to press now. Yeah, man. You're mine. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'm like I'm sat here going. What else are you gonna give me? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, just uh, whatever you want, Chris. <laughs> um, give me the. So there isn't much trivia, um, but it is revealed that the three children's surname is Ward, which this could be a hint of irony as children, the, as the children would be considered legally wards of the state until adopted. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess. The other piece of trivia is that the three kids um, in the film have all appeared in the 1995 TV series Goosebumps. Um, Crawley and Jones, which I don't know which two kids are which here. 
were both in the Haunted Mask and Haunted Mask 2 episodes as uh, Chuck and Noah um, and the other Jones appears. Wait, it doesn't actually... It says the three kids appear, but it doesn't actually name where the third one appears. It just says Jones <laughs> has appeared technically in all seasons of, 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 of Goosebumps except for season three. Because obviously there's a haunted mask episode in most seasons of that show. Um, I loved that haunted mask episode of uh, Goosebumps. Um, I had that one on VHS, um, so I saw that one a hundred times, um, specifically, very specifically. So I think that's kind of funny. Um, Co- uh, Cody Jones and Tabitha Lupien um, both appear in the Santa Claus. I tried to figure out which kids they played in the Santa Claus. Uh, one of them was just listed as ballerina, and the other one was just listed as like kid number three. So I don't know, um, but that's a movie. To be fair, reviewed. we did say when we reviewed the Santa Claus that kid number three was our favorite kid. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. And, and, those, and we have said in this movie that the kids are the best thing about. Me. Now the only other piece of interesting trivia, because let me tell you, there's nothing. I could, but Chris, I don't even know if this movie was released in cinemas. Because well, I've got I've I've got I've got a piece of trivia for you, Dan. Do you want me to tell you what its um tomato meter score is? Oh yes, please. <laughs> um, zero percent because no one's reviewed it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that tracks with what I was about to say, which is Chris. Um, do you want to know what its box office numbers are? Yep. We don't have any data on it because I'm not sure it was released in cinemas. Box Office Mojo does not even have a page for this movie. It's somehow it's tomato meter is no reveals. Its audience score is forty two percent. So I think someone must have reviewed it, but there's no reviews listed. So uh, audience think, reviews. I think with audience yeah, reviews, you can just leave a, a, a thumbs up, thumbs down type thing. Oh, okay. Right. You don't have to have written a full review to get that audience score. Um, so oh, well, I, I might give it five stars for the lulls. Don't do that. Don't don't skew it. Forty odd percent is about right. This movie is like a five out of ten, so forty odd percent give feels it. about right. Uh, I've got. I don't have a login. I was going to give it two stars, but I don't have a login, so I won't do that. There we go. Rent a kid. You're yeah, five thousand. I just want to see how many five thousand plus ratings. Forty two percent on IMDb. It's got a five point two. I think from the viewers. Um. So yeah, it's it, that's you know it's not even got box office data. I don't even know if this movie was released in cinemas. Um, it might as well not exist, which is why there's no trivia. But Chris, somehow, despite all of that, the movie inexplicably does have a sequel, which is incredible. <laughs> now, instead of trivia this week, I'm going to very quickly describe to you the premise of the sequel. Which is called. Family. Let's describe the premise of the sequel! Which <laughs> um, is called Family Plan and is a 1997 movie, so just two years later they went straight back. And that famous character. The, the famous character of. Um, wait, what's the character called? <laughs> wait. Harry, Harry? Ha- Harry Haber. Harry Haber is back, baby. And his, and his son. Um, what's his son called? Larry? I don't, I don't think he's called Cliff. Larry. Cliff, Cliff Haber. Right. Larry is the uh, is the Christopher Lloyd character. Um, Cliff Haber and Harry Haber are back, baby, and they're joined by Judge Reinhold in a, as, a, as a brand new character called Jeffrey Chase. Now, the premise, Chris, is that for some reason, Leslie Nielsen decides 
it's a good it's gonna be a good idea to take all the kids from the orphanage to a summer camp. <laughs> Obviously. The whole orphanage is worth the kids load onto a bus, they're going to a summer camp. Now, I don't understand because summer camps you pay for, and if they're an orphanage, presumably it's not very financially sensible to take the kids out of the orphanage to take them to a summer camp. Um not really sure what the deal with that is. Um but uh Sol Rubens owns this summer camp and he passes away and he passes it to his niece who's married to a not so nice guy played by Judge Reinhold and the Judge Reinhold guy wants to turn this summer camp into a fancy um vacation place for rich people so he does that without telling her at the same time, the busload of kids shows up, Chris. <laughs> You're never going to believe it. You're never going to believe it. He wants it to be a fancy holiday place for rich people, and this bus full of orphaned children show up. Uh, I see what they did there. Mm-hmm. Weaving two plots together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just chaos ensues. They're, they're going to stop his evil plan, because he's done this secretly, trying to turn it into a, you know... Into a into a into a fancy thing, uh, and the, the the some of these kids, um, some of these orphaned kids discover um, that their mother might still be alive and live in the area. Which actually, I'm wondering if that's the reason Leslie Nielsen suggests um, going to this particular summer camp was to help those two kids out. But two of the kids who are like the main kids are also secretly trying to find their real mum. And the trailer ends with the son saying to Leslie Nielsen. I don't understand how you keep creating situations that are utterly chaos and then they turn into fairy tales. And he goes, well, you know, I take uh, chaotic situations and turn them into fairy tales and just repeats it back (laughs) at him doing his classic joke of saying the thing back. Um, I really, I, the notion of a sequel to Rent-A-Kid that doesn't seemingly have anything to do with renting, it's really upsetting to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's called Family Plan. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, uh, yeah, and that and then that that famous character is reprised by Leslie Nielsen, and that's that's the premise of the movie, from what I can tell, between reading the Wikipedia summary, which is surprisingly detailed, and uh, <laughs> and I think there's look, I think there's only the two ways you can really, I think there's only two ways you can really go with a sequel to Rent a Kid, and that is rent a baby or rent a teenager. Mm. You've either got to go lower or higher. Gotcha. Or rent a grandparent. Probably yeah. rent a grandparent because that's less dark than the other two suggestions I've just made. Yeah, well, it's you know, Chris, it, they they go to Camp Sedona, but it becomes, but it's Shay Sedona. <coughs> and all Sorry. these, you know, all these adults, all these fancy pants rich adults that are trying to have their nice holiday at Shay Sedona, they're not expecting these children, Chris. I don't think you, I, you know, I, I feel like you're not getting the premise. Of this movie, I feel like you're not fully appreciating it. Um, I mean, it could be that. I, no, no, not Chris, caring is, Chris. Uh, let me just, let me just, exp- I, just I, I don't think you've got it. So there's, there's, there's adults and they're rich, and they got to put all these like orphan kids that are causing chaos. Cool. Oh, okay. So it is, it is okay. Yeah, there is a link. Is the kid gonna? Fi- are they gonna find their parents? I don't know. I mean, in the trailer, it, it, they don't really cover that. But I, 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 do you want me to find out if they find the parents? <laughs> Let me see if the movie's on Amazon. 
<laughs> Are you gonna watch it? I might. Hold on. Depends how long it is. Oh no, it's just bringing up actual family plans. Hold on, family plan movie. Mm-hmm. Adam's family. I would suggest this movie's not on Amazon. No. I was surprised. We discussed this on our other I podcast. I was surprised. I was surprised Rent a Kid was on Amazon. To be honest with you. Yeah, well, it was on that free verve thing, which I didn't. Once again, I didn't get any adverts. Did you? Um, I so okay. So I when I first tried to watch it the first time, I watched a bit of it on my phone. The first ten minutes, no ads. But when I watched it on my laptop, I was getting ads. So, well, did you skip ahead to where you'd seen up to already? Yes, because when I watched it on the TV, no ads. This morning, when I went to rewatch something or pull it up as a sort of reference point for this podcast, on your laptop, uh, and on my laptop, and skipped to something, there were ads. But I think the common denominator there is the laptop, surely. So when well, you watched it on it, yeah. your TV app, when I watched it on my phone app for Prime, neither of those did adverts. But the second either of us put it on a laptop, it did. Yeah, but I've got the. What are you? Are you watching it through the desk, through the browser? Because I've yeah. got the Prime app on my laptop as well. Yeah, I was watching it through the browser. I think the common denominator is skipping ahead. But yeah, but I didn't maybe, skip ahead. Okay. It automatically jumped to where I would had been when I turned it off the previous time. Oh, okay. Hmm. Weird. I don't know. Um, yeah. The we haven't talked about one final topic, which we haven't actually talked. How? About. What are you doing? I, I we need to. This needs to end. No one's listening to this. No, 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 just super quickly. Because we haven't actually talked about the fact that it isn't inherently... I know, obviously, some version of it does exist, maybe. We haven't established that for sure. I, but... had, dream... I had dreams of this being a clean hour and a half. I really did. But well, we, we can get there quickly. Do you think the movie does a good job of not making you feel uncomfortable about the premise of him renting out these children? Yes, because I think the person who wrote this movie thinks it's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's certainly presented that way, isn't it? (laughs) Because uh, 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 I I suspect you don't frame it as renting out children. That's just a framing, right? That's just how you explain it comedically. But I am sure trial periods do exist. Before adoption, I'm sure that's yeah. And they, the, the movie is very much saying it, it is. It is literally presenting it as a good idea. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that the movie is also trying to make it seem like a crazy idea by having people keep going. You can't rent human beings. Yeah, well, more and it than repeatedly that, I think makes they, that joke. <laughs> I th- I think they make the joke of um, I rented them from someone I met at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's that, that specific that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Madness, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 I do think the movie does its best to like not make it seem, but I, I don't think it's necessarily gone in with that goal because I just think like the guy writing it, or the, I assume the guy writing it because it's a movie from the nineties. I don't think they let women write movies back then. Um, let me just double check. Yeah, Paul. Hi, Paul. Um, good luck to you, Cole. Cole Burn Bomb. Did he write the sequel? <laughs> Let's see if it's from. I was going to say, what else is he? Yeah, he wrote, the, he wrote the sequel. Oh my god, these the two movies are both written and directed by the same two people. So someone called Fred Gerber directed both the movies, and this guy Paul Birnbaum, Birnbaum um, wrote them both. That's hilarious. All right, fine. I um, can't click on Paul, but Fred, Fred's. Uh, oh, he's directed some ER. He's directed well one episode. 
Yeah. Anyway. Oh, he directed cool. some episodes of House. Yeah, fair play. Oh, and Desperate Housewives. That's not bad, is An it? Episode of oh, the... He directed an episode of Eerie, Indi- Indi- Eerie Indiana. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Eerie Indiana sequel series, The Other Dimension. No, thank you. That series sucked. And the TV movie of Due South. Wow, he directed the Eve episode of The X-Files for the first season. That's a good episode. Due South is really the television equivalent of what we were talking about earlier. This movie and sort of getting even with Dad. A TV show that some people remember, but didn't really sort of break into public consciousness. Yeah, that's true. true. Well, it might have done in Canada, obviously, but not not at least in the UK. All right, uh, let's... Got to get away from this. Oh, no, shit, 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 shit. Cars exist, Chris. I forgot I did a Cars Exist. Um, the main car that the, the the family in this drive is a BMW 735i, um, specifically uh, the 1988 model. Nice. There you go. Um, several other cars are in the movie. Um, sadly, no uh, Ford was in the Taurus. No Taurus in this movie, um, which is a shame. Um, there is a Pontiac Firefly scene briefly in one scene. Uh, what else? I'd have fucking loved a Ford Taurus being in this movie. I genuinely yeah. would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, me too. Um, no. The only other car that shows up more re- regularly-ish is the car that's in Eastern Drives, which is a Volvo 850, which is the 1993 model. So there you go. Well, there you go. Nice. That's a reasonably new car at the point this movie was made. Two years old. Where, Dan? Where are we going next? Oh, I tell you what, Chris. I've never been so torn about a choice mm-hmm. because i've got two movies right one yep. is probably the smart seo choice right now a week or two late arguably you probably know what this is because i think i mentioned it last week but i don't uh... know if i can bring myself to sit through the movie <laughs> i right? don't know did you mention it last week because i've i've got a choice like that but it wouldn't be late so i don't think i think we are thinking of two different things Okay. Well, I did, I mentioned it last week because I said when you when you said rent a kid, I said, oh, I thought you were going to choose this other thing, um, because I just think it's like it's a couple of weeks out, like as in late. But Christ, it just I don't know if I can put myself through the movie. Then I got another movie that's on the back line, and it's one of my all time favorite movies, and I and I know I'll enjoy rewatching that. So I'm torn between putting myself through a longer but better movie. Or a shorter but significantly worse movie for the SEO, <laughs> and I have I have flipped back and forth every five minutes. It feels like for the last two days, <laughs> like um, as I've as we've approached recording this. What do I do? Even now, I don't know, Chris. Well, I don't want to. Uh, I don't know because I. I don't know. I'm going to let you. I'm not going to sway you, and then I'm going to say what I would have said. Okay, you choose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, 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 you've got a habit sometimes of asking me what I should pick between two, and I never want to do that. I always want you to just like figure it out. So I guess it's fair that I do the same. Um, Christ. Oh, God. Uh, we have just done two movies we didn't love. Screw it. Let's do the good movie. Let's do the good movie. Fuck SEO. Okay. I don't care. We're going to do the good movie. What were you going to say? I've chosen now. That's what we're going to do. I was going to say that I know where I'm going with my next choice. And it's it's not particularly a great movie either. <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay. I made the right choice. 
Perfect. All right. It's all right. It's better. It's better than this. There's more to talk about, and it's it's certainly more iconic for sure. But uh, yeah, what was the SEO movie? Um, the Mario Brothers movie. I, I did think that was the choice in my head. I did think that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's it, but the, the Mario Brothers movie, the, the new one, came out like three weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, yeah. by the time this is airing, or the time that would be airing, so it was it's it's not particularly timely, but it's kind of timely. Uh, we are we are doing the Indiana Jones movies later this season, though, aren't we? So you know. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm making. I'm making a timely choice next. Interesting. Interesting. We'll come back to that then. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, the movie we're doing next week, then Chris, is one of my all-time favorites. Um, it's a movie that I think is sometimes misunderstood, um, and I think that makes for interesting discussion. Um, we will be watching the absolute classic that is Starship Troopers. Oh, nice. Cool. I don't know if you've seen this movie. I suspect not. Nope. No. Um, <laughs> no. It's by the director of Robocop, so um, expect satire <laughs> and gore. <laughs> cool. Um, yes, yeah, no, it's, a, a, cool. it's an absolutely brilliant film, and I'm very excited to rewatch it. I've not watched it in a couple of years. 1997, I think? Um... Spawned several terrible sequels, if memory serves, uh, which we probably won't get to. Um, but I, I love the, th- the, the the first movie. Nice, so, yeah, very nice. Where where let's aim for let's aim for under one forty five, Dan. So where can the people find us? Oh, the there's all sorts of places. Well, if they want to get Starship Troopers episode right now, and they're listening to this on like iTunes or Spotify, they can go over to patreon.com slash nothing but static to sign up for just as little as $1 a month. They'll get access to the Discord, access to bonus podcasts that we've been recording, um, and um, the joys of um, the Starship Trooper episode right now, because it goes out one week early on there. Um, and also episodes of our other podcast, Analyzing Avatar, go out a week early. Uh, through that too so that's one thing you can do to support us you can also support us by just liking and subscribing on any of the platforms that we're on so you can usually review us on various podcast platforms we appreciate people doing that the other thing you can do which i think would be very much appreciated is heading over to the youtube channel subscribing there liking some of the videos um if you have something to say comments feedback you can do that by either commenting on the youtube videos um sending the uh, the putting it in one of those reviews and writing it in there or emailing us at mail at nothing but static dot co dot uk um obviously you can also continue to support us by simply continuing to listen uh, we appreciate that too or you could tell a friend you got a friend who loves the movie rent a kid pass on this movie this this podcast they're in luck we're like the only people that have ever discussed this movie in depth <laughs> in the history of anything, although if they seems. if they loved it they probably <laughs> they're probably not going to enjoy the podcast. That's a really good point. Although, to, be, to be fair, we were fairly complimentary on it. We didn't. We've, yeah, we've, I mean, that's we've the problem been... with a movie like this. It's not particularly yeah. bad. It's not particularly good. So all we end up doing is kind of running in circles, like and just pitching things that would have made it more interesting. <laughs> we have actually been way more critical about other movies. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, other movies have deserved more criticism. This is this is by no means the worst movie we've seen on this podcast. Not even close. It's just the least yeah. interesting. Yeah, Which is its sure. own kind of crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Sweet. Yeah. Well, there you go then. So, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate you doing so. Obviously, come back in a week's time for Starship Troopers and what have you, because we're going to do that. Uh, but I think Chris wraps this one up. Is yeah, that right. I've been Chris Billingham. I've been Dan Doolan. And this review has been rewound. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>